Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, uh, we have a very interesting episode with uh, my man, Jay Lee. Um, Jay was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Let me see which one. He was on number 107, um, sharing his experience doing the Deseret stage race. Uh, and here's something I learned about Jay while we were doing the race. Um, he every night he would sit down and have meetings with Katra, uh, Katra Corbett, and they would discuss plans for her like 350 mile run on the John Muir ramble route. And, uh, if you want to check that out, we also have a podcast about that. (laughs) Um, but anyways, they would talk every single night and they would go through plans because this event for Katra was definitely like, training for that and this event and that event for Jay Lee was like the biggest thing he's ever done but so I went up to catch her afterwards and I was talking to her and she was like oh yeah Jay Lee he's like the rock star of crewing people he's the rock star at helping people succeed in their goals and what I came to learn is that uh back in 2017 he acted as one of a two-person crew for Sandra V and Sandra set the North American transcontinental world record for women. And she ran from Los Angeles to New York city in 54 days. And Jay was the one, and you got to hear this story. And this is the story we're sharing today um, is his story of crewing on this insane 54 day journey uh, across the United States and it's fascinating to me because Sandra obviously I mean covering the amount of miles that it takes to run across America and doing it incredibly fast is unbelievable it's so impressive it's something I can barely even wrap my head around Um, but then thinking also like what what's Jay's day like, you know, what's the crew's day like in that case. And, uh, you'll hear that in the episode, but it's a lot of driving a few miles, sitting around for a little bit, running out, uh, giving her food, driving a few more miles, sitting around a little bit, running back to get greet her, giving her some more food, water, whatever she needs. And it's, it's really interesting. And it takes really like, it takes a special person to go out and do that, to, dedicate all your time and I've always like I've always considered myself someone who is a supporter of my friends dreams and my friends goals like that's I always felt like that was kind of my role where if one of my friends is is thinking about trying something that might be hard I'm the guy who's supporting it and like yeah man go get him like what can I do to help and all that stuff and I think in that sense I found kind of like a kindred spirit in Jay because he seems that way. He's like definitely the guy you would want on your crew. He's the guy that's like, no, you can totally do this. Like go for it. And then let me figure out all the logistics to make this as easy as possible, as easy as running across the whole United States possibly can be, which is hilarious because that'd be ridiculously hard. But Jay's the guy like he's the guy that you would want doing that. Um, if you were attempting something like that, so 
So yeah, it's amazing. He's an amazing guy. Uh, we talk a lot about this world uh, world record crewing Sandra. Um, I'm reading. There's a really good ultra running article. Um, and one thing it mentions as it pertains to Jay is uh, there's a little picture on it, um, and it's in Pennsylvania, and basically it's showing that Jay runs forward with gels, banana, electrolytes, tissue anticipating anything she might need and then it says afterwards jay would run back to the car drive forward to do it all again about a hundred times per day and yeah it's just it's it's inspiring to me it's inspiring to see people help each other out to that extent um so anyways we talk about that then we get into a little bit of what bad water was like this year because jay went down there and he actually helped with the race uh for Badwater. He wasn't on a specific crew. I believe his sister might have been because she's a big ultra runner and awesome person as well. Um, but he went and helped with the race. So we talk about Badwater. Badwater is always a fascinating topic because it's in Death Valley in I want to say July. And this year it got unbelievably hot. So I think it's hilarious. And last episode I believe we talked about it. Uh, with Zandy, but I think uh, it's funny to try to hear, try to get people to describe what that feels like. So anyways, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, This is episode 111. So we got a whole bunch of these. So if you enjoy this one, go back, check out some of the other ones. I bet you'll find something you like. Uh, If you've listened to all of them, high five. Uh, You rock. That's super cool. If you listen to a few, you also rock. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we got a whole bunch though, all sorts of different outdoor adventures. Um, there's a quite a bit of ultra running on here because that's kind of sport that I'm kind of into right now, but, uh, we have all sorts of different stuff. So go back, check those out. Um, if you want to listen to Jay a little bit more, episode one, 107 has Jay on it. If you want to hear, uh, about Catra's adventure that he, crewed with that's episode 103 oh and then i guess if you want to hear about another person who ran across the united states uh you can check out episode 102 with pete Kustelneck. uh super fascinating dude that guy's running from alaska to florida right now and it's insane it's so crazy i think he's already over 2,000 miles and almost through canada at this point so anyways check those out and let's start the show. This is, oh man, Jay, you got a special one. This is number 111 with Jay Lee. Ramble route with, with Catra. And then and then after that, I went to um, Tahoe to do a Ragnar. But straight from there, I went to Death Valley to oh uh, work at the Badwater 135 race. Dude, then, I totally want to ask so. you about that. <laughs> because it seemed like ridiculously hot like every time i saw which i guess we can talk about but every time i saw a thermometer i was like holy shit they're dying out there yeah yeah it was it was ridiculous like at night like i don't know how but it's like 110 degrees when there's no sun at all (laughs) like i don't i don't know where this heat is coming from like it was it's just crazy yeah man and then what'd you do after that have you been doing anything uh, else or kind of taking it easy? After since that, then? I came back. 
Yeah, yeah I've just been taking it easy. Uh, just nothing, nothing too adventurous, which is kind of what I wanted. I just is it was I don't know like two months of just kind of traveling and going yeah. all these places, and I was like, you know, I should probably get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah just been, just been taking it easy trying to trying to get back into the cycle of life totally and man then, uh, but that's so cool like yeah. being an entrepreneur like you get to decide that you get to decide yeah hey i'm gonna take these two months to go out and have these adventures and go explore so but it yeah, is dude, it, it is seemingly an important realization too of like I gotta get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I'm lucky. Like my clients are super understanding, and they're like really like encouraging, you know. So they, you know, they're really impressed with like the the journeys and the adventures I go on. And then, so you know, they're they're not like, oh, well, let me get my stuff like right away, which yeah. is super nice of them, uh, just to be kind of supportive of that. And then, um, but you know, at the same time, it's like, hey, I gotta, I still have to pay the bills and yeah, <laughs> come back to reality. Too. Yeah, man. Have you have you actually like participated in any races since? Well, um, I mean, I, I guess mean, I, Ragnar. I ran the Ragnar. Yeah, um, that was okay. I mean, I had just kind of jumped on a team last minute. Like my sister was going to go down to, um, she was crewing someone at Badwater. Okay. And then Chris Kostman had asked me to be part of his staff. Um, so we were both going to go, and they, but my sister was already signed up for Ragnar, and she says, "Well, you can come pick me up." in tahoe and then we'll drive down to to death valley and i was like why am i going to drive four hours out of the way to go pick you up to drive another like seven or eight hours to get down to death valley yeah so i i just went on facebook and i just looked for any teams looking for someone oh, that's cool man. for a runner and i just like jumped on the team no yeah. way all right dude well hey do you have like a half an hour to talk about all this stuff yeah. Is that yeah, cool? Sure. Okay, cool. Because like I said in the email, like I was thinking it would be because I'm, I mean, to like the way lesser extent of what you've done, but I'm going to work my first aid station uh, in September for Gemini, oh, cool. for Reed, uh, nice. for the Mountain Rats race. And, you know, I'm super excited, man, because I like, I don't get a, I love, first of all, I love supporting people. That's kind of like, mm-hmm. obviously, as a teacher and like, you know, to do this podcast where I want people to, you know, take some sort of inspiration away. Um, I love like yeah. supporting them and like helping them out. And so I'm like, I've always wanted to work in aid station, but at the same time, like finding the time and the situation to do it. Um, yeah. You know, and obviously no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And like, obviously so. crewing someone is different, which I guess we should probably get into. But, um, but yeah, man, I just, I was thinking about putting together, I want to put together an episode of like how to support a runner, I guess. If that makes sense. All right. So, so yeah. yeah, man. Uh, cool dude. Well, let's get into it then. So, uh, I have Jay Lee back on the podcast. Um, he ran desert rats with me and from all accounts, man, from everyone I've talked to, they're like, Jay Lee is the greatest crew man on earth. <laughs> so, take yeah. that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Are you like one of the people that are uncomfortable with compliments? Uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say. But everyone, like, I mean, Katra, obviously, but, you know, everyone's like, he just does such a wonderful job in supporting and helping along runners. So, um, and kind of like, rolling with the punches i guess yeah yeah i mean that's one of the good things is i don't I, people say i have i'm like pretty calm which i usually am so i, I think that helps 
Yeah. You know, just not get like super freaked out when I see a bear or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or just like, okay, I guess we can get into it. So what, what kind of events have you crewed for in the past? Um, like the, I've crewed just some friends and like paste them at, you know, like a local hundred K's or hundred milers. And then, um, last year, the big one that I did was I crewed my friend Sandra, um, across the country. So she ran from San Francisco to New York and there was only two of us that were there the full time. And I was the, the crew that was on the road. So I would be basically with her all day. And there was another uh, crew person, uh, Cinder, who was, you know, the, the crew chief um, and the guardian of the mothership, which is the RV <laughs> that uh, basically, you know, was our house for about two months. And uh, Cinder had actually crewed Pete Cosmic uh, the year before for, for his world record run across the country. Okay. So she and was kind of like uh, a seasoned yeah. veteran at that point. Yeah. And I mean, she had, she's, she's just been crewing for a long time and she's a, you know, a massage therapist. Uh, she knows her nutrition. Um, yeah. She's like crude bad water a bunch of times and she's, yeah. I mean, she's just an awesome, uh, crew person too. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah, man. Then, so uh, I, yeah, let's start, yeah. I guess, dude, let's start there and then we'll get into bad water because it's kind of interesting too. Cause it's like, organized events versus something like running across America where it's just you guys doing it. It's probably such a, like, it's just a wide variety in different tasks and stuff. And, you know, so I guess if you had to like describe your duties as a crew member, when you were crewing for Sandra, what, what was your like responsibility day by day? And like how many days it took her, what, like 50 some or yeah, it was 54 days. Okay. Uh, 54 and a half days, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So for um, 54 it, oh, days, be, uh, yeah. what was your what was your role? Like, what were your tasks? So the main thing was to make sure she didn't get lost. Um, <laughs> you know, like, one is just navigate across the country. And the funny thing with that was, like, our very first turn, literally from the steps of City Hall in San Francisco, <laughs> we went down the block. And we hit a stoplight, and then we're like, wait, which way do we turn? And we, like, we, like, sit there, like, trying to figure out on the map. We're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a long trip. <laughs> Dude, how many adventures but, start that way? I've heard that from so many people where it's like, yeah, in the first five minutes, we got lost or something broke or, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, navigating was a big one, um, making sure she was eating. Uh, so I had to feed her, stay hydrated. Um the other thing was because she was going or she she was going for the Guinness uh, World Record, um, we needed witness statements. So um, had to, um, you know, get people to sign a statement saying like, oh, we saw her run through here um, at this time on this day. Um, that was part of it. And was that just random? Case, was that just random people in the town? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah random people in the town. Sometimes if there were people like pulled out on the side of a highway. Cause some parts of this was like really isolated. And like we, there were probably like a few days where we didn't even see one person. So, so like a few times I just saw, we got lucky cause this guy just, you know, they were on the side of the highway and he had a drone and he just wanted some footage of like, you know, the scenery. And so like I stopped to get him to him and his girlfriend to, to fill out one of the forms. Wow. 
were uh, how many yeah. like what were people's reactions when you're like hey i need you to do this for a guinness world record a lot of them were just like whoa wait what is she doing and then you know especially the further from san francisco we got like you know people are just like blown away They're like how long has she been doing this and then you know then they start asking questions like oh what is she eating and yeah you know how is she doing and you know it's like a, and then a lot of the comments like I, I don't even feel like driving across the country of course <laughs> yeah that you always get that as an ultra runner it's like i can't even yeah i can't even walk or you know yeah i don't even like driving 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um another thing for her was um the documentation so uh, we didn't have a photographer or anything, so I had to take a lot of pictures. Um, so yeah, actually more re- like this week, I, we're fine. I'm trying to like sort through all the pictures cause they were all on my, on one of my phones and I had trouble getting it off the phone. But I mean, I had about like 10,000 photos, wow. which sounds like a lot, but yeah. the whole trip was like 3000 something miles. And it's, you know, three, three pic, three pictures a mile is actually not that much. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, like finding the right place to take a picture because you know you wanted to get it with like landmarks or signs that like can say, okay, this is exactly where she was. Um, that was probably one of the more challenging things, especially when we're in the middle of nowhere and there aren't like too many signs. Yeah. 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 Wow, man, I didn't even think about that. Like all the documentation that has to be involved, but it makes sense that they would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, we had other we had other things to track her too. I mean, I mean, she has her GPS watches, and she's wearing, uh, she's carrying uh, like a like a Garmin InReach, which basically provided uh, her location every like two or ten minutes. It would just drop a pin and show where she's at. Okay, nice man. So, with yeah. the food and like nutrition side. Are you the one that's stopping at grocery stores or like, how are you resupplying along the way? So, uh, so Cinder would do most of that. And then also kind of when we got to the Midwest, like people came and brought us food, which is really nice. Um, but so like the main meals Cinder would be making in the RV. Um, and then she, you know, I would make a list throughout the day of like what, we're running low on in the car. And if we, ha- if we didn't have it in the RV, she would have to go buy it. Um, when she went grocery shopping. Okay. Uh, but then, then usually if we pass the gas station, especially in the morning, I would get like a hot coffee and a donut for her. And that nice. was kind of our, our treat. So, uh, yeah. And if we pass gas stations, I would always try to get something that's kind of more fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic to say, cause it's I'm... like gas station. Food, but... <laughs> yeah. Like a fresh Red Bull and a fresh, uh, Doritos. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, Cinder for the most part got most of the groceries and then I would get stuff just at gas stations when gotcha. we pass them. And so you're driving a van and there, and she's driving the RV ahead. Um, generally you would probably, you would, generally pick to use like a van but we were kind of on a budget okay um so i don't know if you got to talk to sandra but like you know we we didn't she didn't really get the sponsorships that she wanted so it ended up being self-funded yeah and so we uh a major cost is obviously the rv and the crew car and the rv luckily was cinders uh so i don't think that sandra had to pay to rent an rv um and then so for the crew car we actually saved money because by getting a hatchback uh, Toyota Yaris, 
So I don't know if you know yours. It's not it's not the biggest cars. <laughs> I'm and looking then, it up uh, right now because I don't know jack about cars. Hold on. Oh my okay. god, dude, that's a tiny car. <laughs> yeah. So we called it the clown car because it actually fits like you know we, we put the back seats down. And yeah. Three bins in the back, and then we had two coolers behind that, and that was it. But yeah. Oh my it, god. It, Do it you have pictures the of the, you have cool. pictures of the car and stuff? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I should send you some of those. You should, man. Yeah, there it's it's pretty funny. Like just people come like people that came out to run with her that you know know her from um you know bad water and ultra running. Like, wait, that's the car you're using? <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> yeah, but it made it all the way across. It had no no issues. Yeah. Um, one one time it had issues going through um, Colorado. We had to go over overnight through Rabbit Ears Pass and because there was snow so that night the the car couldn't make it over the pass but it was able to the next day oh okay are you so when you have those like any issues at all like if there's a little bit of panic and you said you're pretty calm which makes you a good crew member um but if you have any sort of thing come up how do you go about like do you tell the runner or do you kind of like sweep it under the rug (laughs) Um, it it depends on what it is. Um, like one that stands out is when I saw a bear, um, in Yosemite. So this was one of the first days, uh, I was alone with her. So the first week or so, uh, Chris Kostman came out and he, he crewed, we crewed together. Then he had to go take care of his, uh, race. I think it was the 508. And then, uh, so it was just me and Sandra for, for the next week or so. And it was like day two of being alone. I see a bear, like I, you know, I stop to give her food and I get back in the car and all of a sudden I see this bear just crossing the street in front of us and she doesn't see it yet. And so I just like run over to her and I give her a cowbell and I just tell her to just keep ringing it. She's like, why? I'm like, don't worry about it. Just keep <laughs> ringing it. And then, and then I'm going to drive ahead and honk the horn. And I, I think she kind of knew what was going on, but I didn't really <laughs> confirm it for her. You're like, just for team <laughs> spirit. Come on. You're just trying to. You know, get you excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just trying to pump you up. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, okay, yeah. I guess one thing, if if someone's not familiar with crewing, um, you might just think to yourself, like, hey, this is a person, uh, you know, like, like you said, driving, giving them food, things like that. How, and I know this one's a special circumstance, but how often are you going out and running with her and, like, keeping her company? Because a crew member, a lot of times, can also act as like a pacer, you know, uh, someone who's out there, especially during these like long solo projects, like someone mm-hmm. who's out there just kind of going, like running with them when there's no one else out there doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I ran with her whenever I could. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we were fortunate enough where some people came for a few days at a time. And so when they did that, I was able to just you know, have them drive the crew car and I'll run with her. Um, but for the stretches where we're, we were just by ourselves, um, you know, I couldn't run with her because obviously I'd need to, you know, have to push the car forward. Um, so what I would do sometimes, though, is if I got really bored, because it gets kind of lonely out there. I mean, especially for the runner and, and also for me, it was just like, dude, I haven't, we haven't talked to anybody all day. All day. Yeah. So I would, I'd drive up a little bit and I would just like, run back on the, on the side of the highway with the, you know, the drinks and stuff like that. And then eventually we'd cross paths and I just, you know, 
cross the road and then run with her until we get back to the car. Okay. So, I mean, I ran, I ran a good chunk. Probably during that trip, I ran probably a couple hundred miles. Yeah. Um, I think it, I had estimated it last year. I think when I logged it, um, it was like four, 400 or 500 miles. And then plus like um, just the other miles that I didn't log was probably another couple hundred. So yeah. I was thinking, I was estimating probably like six or 700 miles total during that trip. Yeah. Have you, have you read, uh, North by Scott Jurek and his wife who terrible, I can't remember her name. Hold on one second. Have you read that book yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Cause there's a big chunk of the book. Um, that is, oh man. Oh, Jenny Jurek. Duh. Okay. So there's a big chunk of the book by Scott's wife, Jenny about crewing him. Mm -hmm. It's actually like, honestly, it's like half and half. The book's half and half. Uh, he writes oh, half cool. of it. She wrote half of it about the crewing side. And really like, I mean, obviously his story is just amazing and incredible. But her story too, the crew, from the crewing side, I'm like, man, you do deal with a lot of isolation and a lot of being yeah. like alone time. So how did, what did you do during those times? Like you're driving down the road. Like how did you entertain yourself or keep yourself like passionate about this project? Um, well, one of the things I did, which kind of worked, well, one of the things that we were doing was we were stopping every, about every half a mile. So okay. the good thing about that was there's not that much downtime, you know? So it's like, you know, I had, I'd give her food and I'd drive, you know, I'd wait for her to run a little bit and then I'd go up about half a mile before I'd stop. Um, so I'd only have, you know, like maybe five to 10 minutes by my, you know, without having to like give her something. Um, so that helped a lot. But other than that, like just listen to music and that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Man. Cause I mean, a lot of, a lot of places we didn't really have phone service either. And, um, but you know, I, I would try to set up the, the camera sometimes to for the tripod so we can get some videos of the two of us. Okay. Um, I think another time I tried to make a video of just like showing what was in the car. Um, I remember I had made like a little backboard for the trash can. So behind the passenger <laughs> side we had a trash can. Yeah. And so you know you're 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 crewing from the trunk, and so you know we're throwing stuff into the trash can, but it was getting kind of it was getting the back of the back of the seat dirty so i made a backboard and i was pretty pretty excited about that or, or or i made a tray out of like a cardboard box or just some cardboard i made a tray out of it and i don't know you just you just do little things to <laughs> started shooting some hoops yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah that's cool man so i didn't yeah I, didn't, I guess i didn't realize so you're meeting her every half half a mile giving her food water whatever she needs at that time like how did she know like, did she go off of some sort of formula or did she go off of feel? Like, how did she know, like, okay, now's when I get food. Now's when I get a drink. Now's when I get electrolytes. Yeah. Um, it was something that we kind of figured out with, uh, when Chris Kaufman was with me, um, you know, we would, we were spreading it out like every, you know, two or three miles at that time. Um, but then I kind of realized like no matter how far out we went, like she would eat the same amount. So like if I went like three miles, she'd, you know, take a couple bites of, I don't know, let's just say I made a sandwich or something. She'd take like two bites of that, take a swig of water. Um, and then 
and that would be it. And then I'd go out another, like, if I went out five miles, she would still take just the same amount of food, like two bites of a sandwich and a swig of water. So then I was looking at, at like, the amount of calories she was taking. It's like, well, if she's only going to take two bites, that's going to be, like, I don't know, like 50 calories or something like that. Yeah. And then we want to get at least, you know, 100 calories a mile or get close to it. And so we basically figured out, like, okay, well, she's going to eat the same amount, and we stop closer, she's going to eat more often and get more calories. So that's, uh, it just kind of worked out um, that we do it that way just so she'd get enough calories. That makes sense, man. That makes, And it's probably comforting for her to have her support vehicle. I was going to say van and then I just remembered where you're <laughs> driving, but her support vehicle being that close, you know, so there was never, cause you know, I got, if you're running these insane long distances, you're getting into your own mind. If you parked five miles away, you know, it's amazing what the brain, what kind of like threats the brain can build up in those five miles. Oh yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm sure that that helped her too. Just knowing like she was safe, like, okay, well he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got eyes on me. Like, you know, cause you never know what's going to pop out. Yeah. You know, there's been a few times where, you know, dogs, dogs are actually like the number one thing to look out for on, on some trips like this. Um, you know, you're, when you're going through like rural areas, you know, the dogs aren't necessarily on leashes. They're just hanging out in front of the house and, you know, they're kind of meant to protect the house. So yeah. you know, you're, you're running across the road. I mean, they're going to come after you. Did that happen to you guys? <laughs> yeah. A few times. What'd you do? How'd you so, handle uh, the situation? Um, so what I would do if, if it, if it was charging out, I'd, I'd just have to speed up and try to, create a barrier with the car <laughs> yeah. um, other times other times you know i after the first time it's like you just learn like okay well when you see a house you check for dogs before you pass it um but i mean sometimes you just miss it like this i know another time i was blocking a driveway so that this dog that was there wasn't gonna you know couldn't come out at, at her but then I, I didn't get to the next house yet but the next house had a dog and that time was really scary because i there was actually a lot of traffic on that road and I wasn't able to actually get out to, to block that dog. But luckily, a truck that was coming saw this dog chasing her. And that that truck ended up stopping and, like, honking the horn and oh, kind of scaring the dog off. Yeah, that would be like, really it, scary. There's been a few times where it's like I wasn't able to be there. Um, and, and just, you know, someone else was. It was just we were very, very lucky. Yeah, man. That's uh, nice because... It's, that's not only scary, but it's like one bite from that dog is going to end this event, you know, because she'll have to go to the hospital and get checked out and that's throwing her off her time. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's, it's whenever I hear about accomplishments like this, where it's multiple days in a row, I'm like, dang, man, it's, it's a miracle that people do these things because one little stumble or one, you know misplaced rock and you twist your ankle and it's all over you know yeah and it's it's just funny because well not funny but like if you think about it it's just like a little pebble could really just you can go like two thousand miles and break your ankle on like the littlest rock or something and and that stops that stops the whole trip (sighs) yeah man it's a it's a miracle when people do these things because yeah it's like look at the number of things that could go wrong for this not to work and then just imagine all those things going right and it's like whoa yeah that's pretty amazing but but yeah man so yeah. like how like at night like how much sleep 
is she getting and how much sleep are you getting? Because, you know, if you're driving every half mile while she's running, you're not getting any nap times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't nap on the road, but luckily, you know, we got plenty of sleep. So You did? The, yeah. So what we were doing was she was running or her, her run time would be like 14 hours, including lunch, um, which is usually about half an hour. Um, so then we'd basically have 10 hours for rest. Um, you know, we'd eat sometimes, well, she would shower every night. Sometimes I would get to, um, just cause we're in the RV. So water is kind of scarce in certain areas. Um, so she would get at least, you know, eight, I think probably like seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Okay. Um, because you know, after, after she would eat, she'd get the massage, uh, she, you know, a little bit of time to wind down, um, yeah, I mean, she we got decent amount of sleep. It was never like I was sleep deprived. Um, I got a little bit less because I was still working on the road. So whenever we had internet, like I'd be able to to get some work. And this was we did it in September and October. And, and as a tax accountant, uh, we have you know drop dead deadlines in September and October for the businesses and individuals that uh, have their taxes on extension. So um, yeah, I would work probably like two or three hours. Um, at the end of the day, you know, usually when she's, when she's asleep, just cause it's, you know, we've got to be quiet anyway. So I'd, I'd work a couple hours before yeah. going to sleep. Yeah. Gotcha, man. Okay. So, so that, that's what, okay. That was one thing that was, you know, it, it's nice that you guys kind of had it planned out where you knew what each day's schedule was going to look like. Cause I know some things on some of these things, like you get behind and then no one's sleeping. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about bad water, um, but uh, so w- when you guys finish, like she finishes, was there a lot of fanfare? Like what town was it in? And then what did you guys do as a team to celebrate? Okay, so uh, we finished in New York at the steps of City Hall. Um, it was like 2 a.m. I think or 1 <laughs> no way. one Yeah. 1 a.m., like 1.24 a.m., I think. And it, and it was funny because it was daylight savings time uh, that night, but it was the first, one, I think, first 1 a.m. or first 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, there was a, a few people, not a whole lot. It was about probably like 10 people. Um, I think part of it is because we had gotten there the same day that the New York Marathon was. So we finished, was that Sunday? And um, the New York Marathon was basically going to be you know, in a couple hours after that. Um, so, you know, people that there were a lot of people in New York, a lot of runners, but because of the time we kind of arrived in the day of the marathon, you know, we didn't get uh, a huge amount of crowds or anything. Although I think just kind of in general, like something like this doesn't necessarily get a huge crowd. Yeah. Um, but I think had we come in, you know, either a few hours earlier or maybe like, sometime the next day probably would have been uh, just a good crowd just because there were so many runners there in New York. But um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a huge crowd, probably like 10 people. Um, and then uh, what did we do? I think the first day we basically just stayed in the RV and just like did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then uh, and then we went to the 9-11 Memorial and that's pretty much it. And then pretty much, I think Sandra had to get back to go go to work like 
a few days later. So she, she came back to California. And then went back to work and, and they're then, like, what, what have you been doing the last few months? She's like, yeah, nothing. We're good. No, nothing big. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I was surprised that she, yeah, I was surprised she went back to work so quick. I mean, yeah. I think we finished Sunday. She was back at work like Wednesday or Thursday. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. I love, I actually, I love that about ultra running and a lot of ultra endurance stuff is most of the time people have jobs, like real jobs and they have those responsibilities to get back to. And it's just like, yeah, I did this crazy thing over the summer. I did this crazy thing last week, but now I'm back at work. So, um, you know, which is super cool. But, uh, so, okay. So let's fast forward, I guess. Um, I talked to Katra on the podcast and kind of heard her tale, uh, of, uh, the John Muir, ramble route oh the mirror ramble route yeah, yeah which was super cool and obviously you ran a lot of that with her and you guys ended with what sounded like an epic adventure um which was yeah. which was super yeah. cool um but then you said right after that you went to uh death valley and you crewed for the badwater 135 so i mean that's such a fascinating yeah, well, race so what 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 was that kind of kind of like well actually i didn't get to crew uh, i wasn't crewing a runner but i was okay. helping the race director so i was part of the race staff oh cool okay um, so that's awesome that'll be a yeah. totally different perspective then from that yeah and especially since it's the first time i've been out there and i mean you hear about bad water and then just kind of meeting the bad water runners kind of when i was going through throughout the country just like you know the, the people that showed up were the people that were you know bad water 135 finishers or runners um or crew people. So it was actually really cool to actually just kind of see, you know, what is it that's drawing these people to just like be so close with one another? Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's just amazing. Like, uh, one of the advantages of being on the staff, cause I'm not sure how familiar you are, um, with the format, but, um, basically if you want to go spectate the race, you can only be spectating in like three or four different spots. Um, you're not allowed really to be on the course to like just pull over and watch the runners go through. Yeah. So you have to, you either, you can only be at the start, um, at Furnace Creek. Um, what was the other one? Like Lone Pine at the finish line, but basically you, you can't really be on the course because there would be, be like, there'd be like a ridiculous amount of cars. Cause each runner has their own car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They all have their, their crew car or their, their lifeline. Yeah. And I like much. a yeah, shitload of ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like, I bet you can just go out there with like a big truck and just sell ice. Uh, if you're unrelated to the race, just go sell ice out there. That'd be pretty funny. You do, like, you'd probably make a good, good killing. <laughs> we'll do $50 per, uh, half pound of ice. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, so, what I mean, was yeah. what was your role and responsibility then uh, while you're helping out? Because you said so, your sister was crewing, and so you went down there with yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. So my sister was crewing, um, and then I was just uh, working with Chris. Um, let's see. So one of the things was like the GPS things. I helped with that. Um, you know, made sure like every runner had it. They, all the crew people knew how it needed to be put on, and you know taken off like if you remember at coco Pelli, like you know you had to have the gps side facing outwards same thing with with um 
with the ones there. Um, and if there's something wrong with those, like to let us know and then we'd have to go swap it or something like that. Um, did a lot of the, the time checks, the, uh, the media side, I was working with, uh, Chris's brother, Keith, um, on the webcast. So I, I don't know if you follow the, the race, but I did know, a lot of it. Yeah. There was a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, posts and a lot of information out there. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of the things that keep, Keith has done and I was just getting to help him this year. So like the, you know, just, I did mostly quality control. Uh, Keith did most of the rest of it. Um, and I got, I, I was doing some of the Instagrams. So I was posting a lot, a lot of pictures, some of the live Instagram videos, but um, we had like live Instagram and then live on Facebook too. So um, that was that, that side of things. And then also do a lot of the, time checks, especially at Lone Pine, um, which was about 120 miles into the race. So that's kind of where the headquarters was. Um, so I, I got to kind of work there and, and check runners as they came in. How, how um, are most of them looking at that point? <laughs> it's funny as the first, you know, the first few runners that come through, they're still looking pretty strong. Um, and then I would say the mid people, it's kind of the mix of like people that are looking really strong and people that are just kind of struggling through. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the people that are near the back, um, they're, they're still looking strong. I mean, that no one comes in looking like they're, they're like falling apart completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, I mean, well, for the most part, everyone's still moving. Like they're moving forward at a good pace. Um, I like your optimism. I like your optimism. You're like, you know what? Like, they didn't look weak. They were still moving <laughs> and alive. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, I man. Mean, it's, just, it's just, it's just, it was. I really enjoyed watching the people that were kind of near the back. Yeah. Because those people are just so ridiculously tough. Like, yeah. You know, the first guy I think finished in over 24 hours and. Um, you know, they're probably already gotten a nice sleep while these other people are finally coming into Lone Pine, you know, and just they're out there for 40 something hours and in the heat without sleeping, you know, that's like, that's not easy. You know, if you, I, I do wonder if you make, or you ask one of the, you know, the front runners to do, just be on your feet for 40 yeah. hours, like, and keep moving. Like, that's all you have to do and cover at least 135 miles. Like, I don't know if they would be able to, to do that. Yeah, I uh, agree, man. Would, Dude, it, that's... It would be a lot harder than they think. Oh, totally. That's uh, Sometimes that's kind of the inspiration to go faster a little bit, because I'm at least for me, because I'm like, I don't want to be on my feet longer than I have yeah. to be, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Can you yeah. just... Those, yeah, the first... Yeah. Go, go ahead. Can you, like, kind of just... For those of us who weren't there but got to see what the temperature was, can you just... Like, what does that feel like, man? It was, I mean, I don't even remember. It got up to, like, at least above 120. Yeah, I think just, like, the, the racer checking day was, like, 127 when we had arrived. And that was, like, at 6 p.m., I think. And then by the time we got out of it, which was roughly, like, 8, it was, like, 100, like, 2 degrees cooler. So it's still in, like, the 120s. Uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know how it's how can it be so freaking hot? Like it, it's just the second you step out of the car, it, it's just like hot. Like 
it just engulfs you, just sucks you in. Like every everything is is hot, and um, even at the hotel where you try to take a cold shower at Furnace Creek, like there's no cold water anywhere. <laughs> You're taking a warm shower no matter how cold you you like turn that knob to get cold water. It's already it's already warm water. Wow. It's yeah. It's it was yeah. I've, I mean, I've been out to Death Valley, but I haven't spent you know that much time like I did um, during the race to be like outdoors and stuff. But I would I would say Co- being at Cocopelli helped just kind of get used to the heat. Yeah. So I I think I think Catra's idea of using that race as a training as training for Badwater is not actually a bad idea because I I I felt like I was more comfortable in that heat than most people. Yeah. Um. Just because, I mean, when we're at Coca-Cola, we were literally in the heat, like, 24 hours. The entire so, time. Yeah, that's that was something yeah. I was curious to see if I would adjust to, is just, like, 24-7 being in the heat versus just being out there for, like, half a day or what or whatever and then getting back in the air conditioning. But, but I mean, also, Badwater, that's, like, 20 degrees hotter at least. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm way, like, dude, yeah, like, turning the, the knob up to uh, 20 more degrees – I can't even. Oh, I can't even fathom yeah, it, it, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's just every inch of air is that hot. You know, it's like even the shade. I mean, it makes it like ten degrees cooler, but I mean, it's still like a hundred something, over a hundred degrees. And that's just yeah. It was. Uh, it's. It's. I don't know. I can't even describe it with words. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what people like. I mean, that's the big thing in the races: keeping the body cool, along with with everything else that goes in with running over a hundred miles, but that is kind of like the main key, right? Like, cause once you start getting overheated, you're basically out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, like you just see people running with, uh, you know, spray bottles, like spraying down their runner and, you know, they're replacing ice bandanas every, every couple miles. And just because it's the ice is literally all gone by the time they get like two miles and it's turned into steam. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Well, sweet man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like, uh, I mean, I think what you do is amazing, and probably I'm sure you get so much credit from the runners themselves that you help. But um, you know, it's just interesting to see kind of like behind the scenes on some sort of like giant, incredible event. You know, like running across the U.S. or setting an fkt yeah. or bad water all that stuff so so yeah man yeah, no, it's, a, it's a ton of fun and it's like it's rewarding too yeah i mean it's part yeah. of the adventure you're going on your own a little adventure there because you're trying to like keep someone healthy and like their victory is your victory too yeah it's awesome man so dude thank you man yeah. it was good catching up yeah no problem yeah <laughs> we'll have to Thanks, do this man. yeah man we'll have to do this again sometime <laughs> for sure all right there you go. Huge shout out to Jay Lee. Thank you for doing the show, man. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. And even we were texting last night because, uh, you know, I was telling him I was going to release this podcast this week. And he had, I mean, as 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 he probably does, he just had gotten back from Tahoe for uh, for crewing out there. So that man's a rock star. Um, so, yeah. So thank you for coming on the show. Uh, earlier in the episode... I we talked a bit about actually um I was I was mentioning that I was excited about working my first aid station um 
and we had recorded this episode a few weeks ago. So I, I last weekend, I worked my first aid station um, during uh, the Mountain Rats 50K and I had a blast. I got to say it was awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about this kind of in the outro here. Um, first of all, if you are curious about ultra marathons, but you don't want to sign up for one because it sounds really, really far, um, you can always email the race directors and they're always looking for help. They're always looking for volunteers. And I think one of the best ways to really kind of grasp what an ultra marathon entails is to work the aid station because you see, I don't, and (laughs) I think I'm hoping anyways, I'm hoping that it's more inspiring than intimidating, but you see it all, right? Like you get super inspired. Um, so just, and you, and, but you can also get intimidated as well because some people have rough goes. That's just some people's, it's not their day and they have a, they have a tough time. Um, so I kind of want to share a little bit about my experience. Um, basically we were working an aid station where we saw it all. So the, the, there was a half marathon, a marathon and the 50 K everyone came through our aid station and the 50 K came through twice. Uh, marathon was like 16 miles, half marathon. We we're like five miles in and then 50 K we were like 12 miles in and then they'd loop back around and we we're 24 miles in. Um, it's just, it's funny how the day progresses and you see it was, it was interesting in the fact that since the 50 cares came through twice, you saw them at first, the first time through, and then you saw them the second time. And the difference that you saw, you saw in their energy levels, um, their mood, their spirit, uh, it was fascinating because some of them, you know, they came through both times and they were just dominating it. Like they felt great. They were doing a good job eating. They were able to handle everything and they would take off down the road looking like at a million bucks or as much of a million bucks as you possibly can, uh, 24 miles in. Um, And then other people would come in and the wheels were in the process of falling off, I would say, or they had completely fallen off. So the second loop, we were basically at the top of this four mile climb. So it was basically like a four miles from the previous aid station and it was up hill the whole way um the year before when i ran this race i definitely hiked that whole way up um the big difference was the year before about that time it was starting to get a little bit cooler and the clouds were moving in and it was probably like 50 degrees i would guess during that hill and that hill still killed me like it still was it still was a brutal hill climb Um, because that's just a long ways to just continuously like power hike and continuously go uphill. Um, this year, unfortunately for most of the runners, they got to that hill about the time of day when the sun and the heat just were at their absolute peak. Um, they probably got there around noon ish. And it heated up. It got to probably like 85, maybe 90 degrees. Um, and there was no coverage. Like 
it's interesting. You're in this weird, interesting kind of like high deserty ecosystem. So there's not a lot of trees, which means there's not a lot of shade. And in fact, on that hill, I'm pretty sure there's absolutely zero shade. And so by the time they got up to our aid station the second time, that hill had been beating them up pretty bad. And just a couple of things. It was it was good for me uh, as a reminder of what you need to do at aid stations um, in any ultra marathon, even if the eight stations are four miles apart. I always, I mean, you got to eat something. So I was thinking one of my coworkers is doing his first 50 K in a couple of weeks. So I was trying to get some tips for him, but you always have to eat something. I know some people can like go by and like they can pack their own nutrition and whatever, but so they might not eat aid station foods, but which is great. Cause as long as they're still eating, that's fine. But the point being is you got to keep eating. And so anytime people would come in, we'd fill up their water bottles, we'd fill up them with water or tailwind or whatever. Um, but if they sat down and were like, what do you want to eat? And they're like, oh, I can't eat anything right now. I would basically politely suggest like Coca-Cola or, or ginger ale because those have calories in them and you just got to get something down at that point, right? Because... I think we're like six miles from the next aid station. So it's like, dude, you got to eat something now or you're really going to like that stuff builds up. That's what I love about ultra marathons is your tiny mistakes add up and add up. And if you keep making tiny mistakes, that adds up into into a rough time. Um, but if you keep making tiny correct decisions, that adds up and you have a pretty good day. Um, so, yeah, it was awesome. It was it, it was interesting. There were a group of ladies came in. There were, I think they were probably towards the back of the marathon and they busted out McDonald's hamburgers that they had bought in earlier in the day, which good on them, man. Good on them. That would, I would be in the bushes probably the rest of the day. I would guess. Um, but it was hilarious. And part of that, like what I learned from that is like your excitement and like team spirit, and stuff if you're running with a group of people that can power you through it if you are if you're out there thinking like dude i'll never run a 50k i'll never run a 50 miler or whatever get a group of people and if you guys are all like we're just gonna have a great time and part of the great time is that we're gonna struggle but we're gonna struggle together and it's gonna be awesome and then at mile 16 or whatever we're gonna bust out our mcdonald's sandwiches and it's going to lift our spirits. And so they did. And there's, I'm pretty sure they were successful at finishing the race, which was super cool. Um, and then seeing that, and then we, we, we saw a few runners, you know, they got to ours and they're like, for the second time, mile 24. And they're like, we're about to run further than we've ever ran in our life. And that was so cool, you know, because they were about to go past that marathon distance and people were excited about that. It was it was really cool to see. They were like fist pumping. One girl said she was running her first marathon for the last day of her 26th birthday. Like it's just really cool to like see all of the different reasons people were running these things and the reasons that were basically powering them through something that was hard and hot and uncomfortable and at times probably very painful. Uh, it was awesome. It was super cool to see. Um, 
So I'd highly suggest, and you know, you, you go out there. I, I didn't know the other people working at the aid station going in, but like, you're all like-minded people, you know, you all like adventures. You maybe, you know, have done a bunch of ultra marathons. You might share stories. You might've done some of the same races. So it's a super cool way to meet people, make friends, things like that. Um, and then I guess the, like one of the other things it's just a good excuse to hang outside all day. Like when was the last time you just kind of hung around the same area in the wilderness, you know? So we were sitting up on this big mountain overlooking Eagle and uh, gypsum and you could see they had an air show down there. So you could see the airplanes flying by. Like it was just a really neat way to spend a day. Uh, and then I, I participated as a course sweep for the last 10 miles and you know, as someone who's done a few races this summer and is kind of winding the ultra running season down, um, I got to say those 10 miles this year after not having previously ran the other whatever, uh, 20, 25 or 24, or however much it is, those last 10 miles, a lot more enjoyable. I could enjoy those 10 miles a lot more. Uh, so that was super cool. So overall, super good day. I would highly suggest guys. I, it was my first experience working at an aid station. Um, it's for anybody and everybody. If you're looking to have an adventure, but you're like, man, I don't know if I can do a full ultra marathon work an aid station. Like that is a super cool invention and invention inv adventure. Um, Contact the race director. Say you sweep part of the course. If you don't know what course sweep is, you basically run after all the other runners. Make sure everyone's off the course. Everyone's safe. Um, pick up flags and markings along the way. So uh, super cool experience. You're like last place. If you're the sweeper, you get to be last place, which is cool because you get to run in last. Uh, so yeah, do that though. It's really, it's a neat way to get involved, but it's a neat way to like kind of see what you might be getting into. And then you might find out it's not for you, or you might find out you just like volunteering Adam. That's cool too. So, uh, yeah, but anyways, that's what I want to share. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Jay Lee is seriously like one of the coolest people. He's so nice and just so giving with his time and, and energy and all that stuff. So he's a pretty awesome dude. If you want to follow him and his adventures on Instagram, uh, you guys can check out, hold on. I'm slowly opening it. Oh yeah. Jay Lee's adventures. Um, so yeah, check him out, check out his stuff. Uh, it'll inspire you for sure because he is like a world traveler and does all, he, first of all, he's a great runner. He kicked so much butt this summer, but he's also just really, really basically like an expert at helping people out during these races. So super cool to be able to talk to him. Super cool to be able to meet him and, uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, we'll get back at you next week for episode 112. Like I said beforehand, if you want to listen to more of these things, check out all of our previous episodes. We have a whole bunch of them and I bet you'll find something to connect with. So, all right, we'll get back at you next week. See you.